All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. It arms You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I, don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network Podcast and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. All right, I'm just going to go. Welcome to the Canucks Conversation. Uh, this is our episode for Thursday, December 28th. The Canucks are facing off against the Winnipeg Jets tonight. 
Yeah, that's right. We're working on the audio here. Uh, my name's Chris Faber. Joining me here is David Quadrelli. Our uh, producer filling in is Aaron today for Alex. Uh, and we do have Vancouver Canucks action tonight. The Canucks are facing off against the Winnipeg Jets. We got a 5 o'clock start time tonight for the Canucks as they battle up against the Jets. We are at different locations today, as you can tell. Quads is back at home. I am here outside of Rogers Arena. Excited for tonight's game because tonight... We'll get started with the lineups that we're pretty excited about from the Vancouver Canucks. We'll start with the defense core. I like what we're seeing from the Canucks defense core tonight. It feels like tonight is going to be the night, as the name of the title of today's episode is. This is the best defense core that we will probably see for the Vancouver Canucks. Absolutely on paper it is. Tonight is going to be the return of Travis Dermott getting back into the lineup. We have not seen him since back at UBC when he went down due to an injury. He talked about it a little bit just the other day. And he looks like he's going to be skating on a pairing alongside Luke Shen tonight. Should be pretty exciting to watch that pairing play together. I think it's a good spot for Dermott where he can actually play to his strengths. He's got the offensive traits, obviously. We like to see what he can be able to bring playing with a defensive guy like Luke Shen. And honestly, I think the reason that we're able to see this is because we've seen some success from the Quinn Hughes and Ethan Bear pairing. It's obviously been a good start for them so far. They're both two players that can move the puck extremely well from the back end, and that's what's worked for these two up to this point in the season. Obviously, this leaves the the second pairing of Oliver ekman Larson and Tyler Myers together, which is going to be, you know, one of the veteran presidents that I thought last season definitely took a step in the right direction here. But unfortunately, this year, I don't know if it's been the same. The foot speed for OEL has been a little bit of a problem. And this Winnipeg Jets team, it's going to be an interesting matchup tonight. I like the early start, yeah. by the way, 5 o'clock tonight. Uh, the Jets will be... At home, they're coming off of three losses, a couple losses before the Christmas break, and now one to the Minnesota Wild over the last game here. So we're going to get into tonight's game a little bit. Quads, I think we got you back here on the air here. I've just talked about the defense core a little bit. Yeah, I heard you talking about it. Can you hear me now? Because uh, it's quite frustrating when we can't do the show uh, together, but uh, obviously there was a lot that happened this morning. Uh, Colin Delia getting the start tonight. Does that surprise you at all? Because I know you were just talking about the defenseman and Travis Dermott slotting in in the third pair. We kind of talked about it yesterday of, you know, that's going to bring some stability to that that third pair. You're not going to see Riley Stillman, Kyle Burroughs kind of swapping in and out. Um, obviously, that might still happen to some extent if Travis Dermott kind of needs to get his feet out from under. Keep in mind, he hasn't played times. So does it surprise you at all to see Colin Delia be the starter? Uh, nope, does not at all. Uh, I think it's kind of at the point right now where you're missing your starting goaltender in Thatcher Demko, you kind of need to either rock with whichever guy you feel has the hot hand. And, you know, Delia had a good start there before the Christmas break. He also came and, and played well in that game that he ended up getting the win against the Montreal Canadiens, I believe it was. That was that big back-and-forth game, I think, uh, where Delia came in and played in that one. So it, at this point, it's not like you really have a guy who needs to go on a 10-game stretch, kind of like we saw with Spencer Martin a little bit before the Christmas break. You can kind of ride if, if you feel like this might be the hot hand with Colin Delia. And, you know, he's getting a lot of opportunity right now to work with Ian Clark. We see it every day at practice uh, down here at Rogers Arena. The fact that, you know, Delia is going to get a really good opportunity to work with one of the best goaltending coaches in the world. Uh, and that's great to see. It's going to obviously help a lot of his game. He's already kind of established a little bit of a base platform with what he's been doing out in Abbotsford. So it doesn't surprise me really at all to kind of see him step right into this role and get an opportunity to go back into the net if, you know, he might flop, right? Like, it's not saying that he's going to come in and just be excellent or, you know, be at the level that's, you know, somewhat required, I think, a lot for the Vancouver Canucks to pull off a win where they don't score a ton of goals. So I think you're relying 
on the offense once again to put up a lot of points and a little bit of a better defense in front of them. That's going to be good today, obviously seeing the pairings a little bit different, as I mentioned off the top of the show. But this Jets team is one of the ones that you know was in conversation at the start of the season where if the Canucks are going to pull into a wild card spot at some point this year, the Jets are probably one of the teams that they would have to battle for that spot. And we're kind of seeing that up to this point. You see the records are pretty similar between these two teams. The Jets are a few points up on them. Uh, but the Jets this season, you can see right there with the graphic up on the screen, the goals against per game at 2.63. That's extremely impressive for what this team's able to do. It, this is going to be an interesting matchup because the Jets do rely a lot on their back end and that goaltending kind of looped into that situation as well. They have a couple guys up front that can score, but they've also battled a ton of injuries this season and still been able to put up this production. As they get a little bit healthy and like sort of continue to ride Hellebuck here a little bit, it is going to be interesting to see how much better this Jets team can get. Um, they're obviously, like I said, they've been battling a ton of real tough injuries. They're a team that's going to you know, keep the puck out of their own net. And, and honestly, that's not a great matchup for the Vancouver Canucks tonight. So they're going to have to score a decent amount, but I wouldn't be surprised uh, as we'll get to our Betway bets much later into the show. I'm going with the Jets and the under in this one. When we were looking at the Jets a few weeks back, I was kind of looking at who they were getting offense from. And I was honestly a bit surprised to see Sam Gagne's name near the top of their points leaders, but Sam Gagne is putting up points for the Jets right now. And again, like what I look at, cause you just brought up the back end, how that's what's keeping them in games. You're absolutely right. Like, you know, the guys they are getting offense from a lot of them have very high shooting percentages that are destined to come back down to earth. Like last I looked, Shifley was over 20%. I haven't looked recently if I'm being quite honest with you, but when the Jets were having success without Nikolai Ehlers, it was because they were getting this offense from guys that you wouldn't traditionally expect it from. Like I said, Sam Gagne, another guy who had a really high shooting percentage to, to begin the year. So with the Jets, like I, I'm interested to see kind of how that play style matches up with the Canucks because we just talk about, oh, well, this is a team that relies on their back end and doesn't score a ton of goals but also doesn't give up a ton of goals. It beat the Canucks 5-1 at home, right? So that's kind of the last we've seen of the Jets with this team. So I'm really interested to see kind of how the Canucks fare tonight because Bruce kind of alluded to it today where, you know, it's great that the Canucks are on a three-game win streak. It's great that they've got wins against these teams that they've played, but let's see them do it against Calgary. Let's see them do it uh, against Winnipeg, and we're going to get to see that on this road trip here. Yeah, absolutely. You bring up the the points from the back end, and it, we got to mention Josh Morrissey, who's up to 40 points right now, over a point per game for that Jets team. Uh, it's been kind of a lot of fun to watch him kind of take over this season uh, for the Jets and have a really big step up. It feels like for years he wasn't kind of wasn't able to be the guy in Winnipeg, uh, specifically on the back end. He was obviously a pretty highly touted player. Like, I, you know, with the World Juniors going on right now, I remember Morrissey's World Juniors. He was excellent. He was the horse for, for Canada and extremely high-level puck mover at that point uh, when he was playing at the World Juniors. But he he's just been excellent this season. It's going to be interesting to watch him. And he's still not being used like a ridiculous amount, right? Like, he's, I think he's averaging 23 and a half minutes a night right now uh, is what you're seeing from Morrissey. So... Uh, he's going to be you know fun to watch tonight as well, but it's going to be interesting to see how that team matches up against the Vancouver Canucks because I just I don't like the Canucks matchup tonight. And Aaron, maybe you can uh, pull up those lines one more time. We'll kind of dive into them a little bit here. Um, just with what we're going to see tonight, obviously we talked about the defense pairings, but it looks like the forward groups are going to stay the same from what we saw on Wednesday. So Garland, Miller, and Lazar look like they'll skate on a top line again tonight. Uh, Peter Peterson, Patterson, and Kuzmenko looks like the second line. Mikheyev, Horvat, and Besser coming off of what they did the other night. And, you know, I'm saying first line, second line, third line. This is just how they skated. It'll be interesting to see how the ice time shakes out here. Uh, but I also wondered about that when I saw this at practice on Wednesday, how 
Pedersen was getting bottom six matchups. His line was last game anyways. And I'm curious to see if maybe because, you know, it's just a swap at practice. It's a different way of running through the drills. But I wonder if that's the way that we'll see this these kind of these lines be deployed against the Winnipeg Jets, where you're going up against a much different looking top six than you would against the Sharks, who really just rely upon their, you know, their top line there. When I think it's a little bit more kind of spread out through the top six of what you're going to see from this Jets team. You know, obviously you're going to have guys like Kyle Connor, Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, Mark Shifley. Like they have a top six that's a little bit stronger when you talk about the depth compared to what you saw from the Sharks the other night who really rely on just being like a one-line team and getting a lot of offense, obviously, from Eric Carlson on the back. That's why I think we might see like Horvat really might. I think whichever of those top three lines for the Canucks gets the easier matchup today and is facing off against bottom six lines, they have to feast tonight. They have to have a night kind of like Horvat, Mikheyev, and Besser did the other night where they you know combined together for eleven points. And we saw Garland, Miller, Lazar. Like we brought it up on yesterday's show. Like you and I discussed this, where those three were in a hard match role and. They didn't do particularly well at it, right? Against San Jose, and you talk about how San Jose has one, maybe two lines that they really rely on. You know, Garland and Miller were getting that, and Lazar, of course, were getting that match, and they didn't do particularly well in it. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mr. Chris Faber, he rejoins us. I, we've both had connection issues today, and I was just telling the listeners, Chris, that uh, we'll be back in the same building tomorrow. Harmon, uh, unable to host tomorrow, so I'm coming back there. Uh, it'll be a good time. We'll be back in the same building, and uh, we'll have a wired internet connection, I think, tomorrow, and we'll uh, we'll be good. Yeah, let's get to the poll question. Um, let's. This is going to be a yeah. shorter episode. I, I don't like putting out bad um, content, and I'm not super happy with the episode. So let's get to the poll question. Let's get to the Hugliner Pod Cold and stuff, and let's get out of here. This is going to be a shorter episode. I'm sorry to everyone uh, that's on the YouTube right now and everyone that's listening to this on the podcast.
Um, let's get to the poll. Yeah, okay, so our poll question today brought to you by Atlas Goods. Remember, go to atlasgds.com. Use promo code CC15 for 15% off your first order of pop rinds. These are the best fresh pork rinds straight from your microwave or air fryer. And hey, I gave you props for this, Chris. I texted you about this because I thought this was a fantastic poll question. Our poll question today, what worries you most about the 2023 season? You wrote year. Uh, You do mean year, actually. So I should say year because you do mean the calendar year in that poll question. So that's my mistake. But the poll question that we've offered is what worries you most about the 2023 year? The options, losing Horvat for nothing, the mushy middle, the 17th, 20th with the draft pick, taking a step back and going into a rebuild. And as always, I'm angry. So far, 44% of people saying losing Horvat for nothing worries them the most. Landing in the mushy middle uh, with a draft pick worries 43% of folks and 2% of people. 2%, Chris! 2% of Canucks fans say taking a step back and going through a rebuild worries them the most about 2023. 11% say, I'm angry. I'll let you give your thoughts in a sec. I just want to say right away that the 2% of people who say that, you know, taking a step back and going through a rebuild worries them the most. I think that's a really good indication of where this market's at right now, because like we've talked about it. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but People are ready. People are ready to do this the right way. And, you know, the teams on this three-game win streak right now, they're back above above 500, excuse me. They've got some challenging opponents coming up. And I think we're going to see what this team really is. And I think we have a good enough sample size at this point to see what this team really is. So based on what we know of this team, I think the the thing that worries me most is landing in that mushy middle. That's what I voted. I voted uh, landing in the mushy middle. And we see Aaron there voted for uh, losing Horvat for nothing. And again, that's a real concern too. Uh, The more the team wins, personally, Chris, I think this team is going to do enough winning to land in that mushy middle, which I think personally means that they do move on from Horvat at the trade deadline as planned. Because we had this conversation the other day. I don't think they're going to change their mind on Horvat unless... uh, you know, unless they're maybe like first or second in the Pacific by the time the trade deadline rolls around. I just, I don't think that's going to be the case personally. Yeah. And the interesting thing is both of those things can be very possible together, right? If you end up trying to make a playoff push with Bo Horvat, you end up missing the playoffs by just a little bit, or even, you know, count the mushy middle as being eliminated right off the bat from the playoffs as well. Like say you sneak in, right? Like say the best thing happens and the Canucks end up sneaking in and they get eliminated. They're even in the worst part of the mushy middle, right? Specifically talking about the draft, but that's the interesting thing is like that's 86% of people voting for that, right? That's a lot. That's a very high majority of people because listen, we get our, it's, it's so funny. We talk about the, I'm angry being at the 12%. It's, it's like it's clockwork, man. Every time we put out a poll, the I'm angry crowd crowd comes out with the 12% super. I wanted to know what percent was going to answer the third option there, right? Like saying, taking a step back for the rebuild uh, and 1.7%. It is very telling, like you said, of what this fan base believes. And and it's listen, this is the year. You're right. I didn't write season for a reason. I wrote the year because if you're taking a step back for the rebuild, it could happen. Listen, it could happen in the next two months. It could happen in the summertime. It could happen at some point next season, early into the year, if that might be the step. Like taking these real big steps back into the rebuild can happen at any point in the calendar year. It would just be kind of you know, the question that I had kind of put out there was, does that worry people? And 1.7%, I mean, that that tells you a lot. Um, I personally think just sitting in the mushy middle, um, that's what's 
been the biggest long-term problem for this team is what it feels like, you know, ever since the the days of actually being competitive for a Stanley Cup and having a really strong roster, the mushy middle has been the biggest enemy of the Vancouver Canucks for the last what feels like 10 years. So, now it's kind of difficult to to think that that, you know, even walking away like the Horvat situation, the option for the first one, losing Horvat for nothing. That's that's horrible. That that wouldn't be great. Um but I also wonder like what what an extension for Horvat even looks like right now with the way that he's played so far this season, like that, that might be something that this team can't deal with as well, because just of other cap situations that they put themselves into. And obviously the Miller contract is going to be huge. OEL's contract is going to be huge. If you're able to move off of any of those, though, I'm going to find it very difficult. Then maybe you can start to talk about Horvat being able to actually be re-signed here. But without one of those two things happening, I know the cap's going up. I know there's players coming off the books. It's just, this team needs a change. Otherwise, maybe they're just going to, even if they keep Horvat, what if they keep sticking around the mushy middle? And maybe the mushy middle extends a little bit. You know, like maybe you're the 12th best team. You're the 7th or 8th best team in the West. Uh, you're one of the top teams, you know, top half of the league. That still doesn't really get you that much closer to being a Stanley Cup competitor. So uh, I, I think mushy middle is the one that worries me the most. I think the Canucks either need to find a way to get out of that. And I think the easiest way, because I think it's almost impossible for the Canucks to just immediately become a Stanley Cup contender in the next six months, but I think it's very possible for them to fall off and be able to take a step back, move into that rebuild. That's a lot easier to do in the next six months in my eyes. There was a reply to the poll question that I thought we just absolutely had to get to, Chris, and I'll read it. It's from at the Scridler on Twitter, and they wrote, Guys, they won't lose Horvat for nothing. They'll trade this year's first rounder in a package with Besser and Garland to move out the contract so that they can re-sign Horvat. Obviously, we we hope that was a joke because, uh, yeah, that uh, add that to the poll question as a new fear, a new worry. Uh, for Canucks fans in 2023. Okay, um, so that was our poll question brought to you once again by the great folks over at Atlas Goods. Uh, you've seen the pop rinds before, folks. We've eaten them on the show. Promo code CC15 is the code you're going to use to get 15% off your first order of pop rinds from locally owned and operated Atlas Goods. Okay, yeah, Knuckleheads Chris, in you want to talk about... First Neil- year, Knuckleheads in the chat says, uh, got my dad an air fryer over Christmas. Uh, we're going to get some pop rinds for sure. So check them out. Uh, good local BC business. You brought it up. Fry them in there. Hey, but Knucklehead, go out there and get the right seasoning too. Get yourself like a little, you know, I I got this for Christmas this year. It was, uh, well, I didn't. My fiance got it because she loves the pizza, like pizza spice. So she got this little pack. It's like four different types of pizza spice. So there's like, one's called Extremely Italian. So maybe you'll have to try that actually when you're over here and tell us if it is Extremely Italian or not. But there's some other ones about like garlic. And then I forget the other ones kind of like original. Then there's a fourth flavor. But uh, I'll save the Extremely Italian one for you to give a test. And you can you can tell us if, this is, if it is Extremely Italian or not. I'm itching to get back there to try that and to uh, finish building my Lego set, which is sitting on... That's right. ...from home. Yeah. Um, okay. You want to talk... Under Billy Pod Coles and Rick Dalywell and Thomas Drant yesterday had uh, what we're hearing uh, column in the Athletic, and one thing that they mentioned in there, among other things, uh, one thing that they mentioned was that Niels Huglander and Vasily Pod Colson for the foreseeable future are going to stay in and that the organization is on developing players, and that right now it's a positive environment in Abbotsford. And you know what? You and I kind of talked about this, but we also kind of threw out the idea of, okay, maybe it would be one or two homestands that they stay for and that they wouldn't have to go on the road in the AHL. No, it's like these are to stay in the AHL. And honestly, that doesn't surprise me. 
Yeah. Um, I think long-term now, and specifically even like seeing Lane Peterson be given the opportunity to be called up here and play, you have Tanner Pearson likely back over the next two weeks here. He should be back with the Vancouver Canucks playing. There are some options down the wing where you don't really need to rely on Vasily Podkolin and Niels Huglander. Let them stay down there for a while. Um, you know, we got the... Let me pull up the graphic here of Abbotsford's season uh, or Abbotsford's month of January. There's a lot of games, right? There's the AHL is interesting, right? Sometimes like I feel like there's slow months in the AHL and there's busy months in the AHL. This January month is very busy in the AHL. You're getting games throughout the week. It's not just weekend games like sometimes we see uh, in November. And I think March is another slow one as well. But uh, this is one of the months where you're going to get a lot of hockey out of these guys, and you're going to get uh, a good opportunity for people to not only see them, uh, as we have games on Friday, January 6th, the 7th, uh, 18th, 20th, 21st, 24th, 25th, lots of home games out there in Abbotsford. So if you do need to you know, make an emergency call-up, think about like where these teams are playing quads. Like You can see it here, the home team, they're either going to be in Manitoba, Calgary, Abbotsford, San Jose, back in Abbotsford, or down in Tucson. It's so different now that you're not off in Utica where you can have a guy here the next day. You can have a guy here this day, like the day of, if you really need to get a player here for the night game and you know, in the morning, you can have that player in the lineup that night. Um, so if, if there is like an emergency situation where you need one of these two guys, you have it, it's not going to be too hard to get one of these players up. But I also wouldn't hate the idea of like, Hey, if they need a fourth liner, I, I wouldn't go to Vasily pod Colson, right? Like say you, you have some injuries on the fourth line. I'd go to like Phil DiGiuseppe or Will Lockwood, like get, put these guys in that situation. If it's going to be something like Horvat's getting moved and, you know, Besser's getting moved or Garland's getting moved. And it's a long time hole that needs to be filled. I know you love your holes. Then I think you might want to move into a situation with Nils Huglander, Vasily pod Colson, but it just feels like Bruce Boudreaux hasn't really given these guys a situation Specifically, specifically Huglander, because I think Pod Colson's had it a little bit, but they haven't. They've always been the third guy on a line, right? They've never been the the core pair that we sort of see NHL coaches love. Uh, and I think for those two to have a little bit more success, they're going to need to build a little bit of that chemistry as a pairing with somebody. I just don't think they've been kind of given the opportunity or even really seen a chance to kind of build as a duo with someone just yet. So I like them in the AHL, just developing their all around game and. Uh, there's going to be some things that Hugliner needs to address defensively, not only defensively, but like moving the puck through the neutral zone and just kind of decision making. I think he's going to learn a lot from having the puck on his stick a lot more and being asked to carry the puck, break out pucks, just just have the puck and do a lot, right? Like play 20 plus minutes a night. You're going to have the puck a lot and have to make a lot of decisions really fast in a game action. So with the AHL, it's like the game's in a little bit of slow motion for these certain players, specifically like Hugliner and Pod Colson, who... Listen, the two leagues they played in before coming down to the AHL were the NHL and then the KHL or the SHL. Fast leagues. Like, the SHL and the KHL, probably both faster leagues than the AHL when you're actually just watching, like, the pace of play go down. So for them, this is kind of just, like, really taking a step back and giving them an opportunity to make decisions the correct way, but also have, like, training wheels on a little bit for them as they make these decisions. So I really like the way that they're going to kind of utilize the AHL in this situation. And I'll tell you what, as someone who covers the Abbotsford Canucks, I'm going to love watching Hugliner and Pod Colson for what I think is going to be a pretty long time here. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I couldn't agree with you more about the idea of, hey, if you have an injury on the fourth line and you need to fill someone in there, like use Sheldon Dries. Don't use your guys that you're trying to develop into these top six wingers. And again, like we've talked about it so many times this year already, the usage of these players and saying like, like this is the whole reason we want them in Abbotsford, right? Is saying, okay, well, if they're going to alternate between the fourth line and the press box, 
get them out of there because they're not going to be that long term for this team, or at least you hope that they're not. These are, the Canucks really need these two guys to hit, right? And you know, all of a sudden they're prospects once again, and the Canucks need these prospects to hit. They don't have a ton of prospects, so they need Vasily Colson and they need Niels Huglander to develop into top six wingers that can be on this team for a long time so again I like what they're doing I like that Pod Colson starting to kill penalties in Abbotsford I like that Jeremy Colleton is on the same page right how many times have we talked about that already about the the development of these guys like Danilo Klimovich and, and everybody else down there and how Colleton's talked about how he's working on video with Pod Colson and everything like that um it, it's good it, it bodes well um that they want to keep them in, Ab- in Abbotsford and they're not just saying okay like let's spring them up one thing in that article with Drance and Dollywell, and I'm not sure if you were going to bring this up, Chris, but the Aiden McDonough thing. Um, Aiden McDonough has a decision to make at the end of this year. Last time you talked to him, he told you that his plan is to sign with the Vancouver Canucks. He told you he wanted that out there, that his plan was to sign with the Vancouver Canucks. Something that Drance and Dollywell mentioned uh, is that all of Hoglander, Pud Colson, and Jack Rathbone, who, as we know, is you know one of McDonough's best friends, um, have failed to gain traction with Bruce Boudreau. Um, that's something that's on McDonough's radar. Uh, that they're now ending up in the AHL after being earmarked for significant NHL roles. They're all in the AHL now. I'm curious to ask you, Chris, how much do you think that will play into McDonough's decision? Because I think... You know, I don't think anybody, and you know, no disrespect to Aiden McDonough, I don't think anybody expects Aiden McDonough to step in and be an NHL producer right away. Like, that's not what Aiden McDonough is going to do if he signs here. He he's going to go to the AHL if he signs here. No. Yeah, I think depending, like, if he would have taken a really big step this year, you'd probably make you could make the argument that he could play some NHL games. I don't think, I don't think he's taken a huge step uh, this season. I also think that Northeastern's been a much worse team. They're, they're losing to some pretty bad teams right now in the NCAA. Uh, McDonough's continuing to put up points. I think last time I actually really looked at the rankings, he was like sixth uh, in the NCAA for points. So I expect him to go into the AHL. Um, but at the same time, it will be interesting. Like, it's going to have to be a real good plan communicated here from the Canucks. And this is likely on the back of Ryan Johnson. Right. This is this is the guy who Ryan Johnson's been dealing with for a long time. Um, this is where the relationship that he's been able to build, um, the ability for Johnson to step into the situation where I think the Canucks really wanted McDonough to go pro last year. Uh, I think they wanted to have him in the system and and you know have him here at Young Stars and things like that, and have him in the AHL scoring a lot of goals, playing on the power play. Um, but Ryan Johnson has been the guy who really has kind of gone through this with, you know, himself, a lot of different players, different situations. He's the one who understands why McDonough wanted to go back for another year of school. And it'll be interesting to see if that relationship is enough, uh, combined with McDonough already liking the fact that the Canucks wanted to, you know, draft him as an overage player and take a risk on him. He wasn't a player that at the draft was really on a lot of people's rankings. Um, you know, there's there's certain players that I, you know, even players on his um Cedar Rapids uh, Rough Riders team, I forget, I think that's what they're called, his uh, his USHL team, I was looking at it today actually, and he wasn't even like the top uh, top five scorer in, the, in, his, in his year where he was heading to the NCAA, so this was a pretty big risk for the Canucks to take, um, so it'll be interesting to see what the relationship is like between these two, and, and you mentioned the Rathbone thing, that can't help the relationship, I 
I'll be curious to see what the thoughts of Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford are for a plan for him to get to the NHL because that's ultimately what McDonough wants. I know he's very committed to the Northeastern University uh, and he wanted to be back there. He wanted to captain this team. Things have not gone that great so far uh, in his fourth season with the Huskies, but he's going to go pro after this year. It's it's just very hopeful that he does want to stay with the Vancouver Canucks, but you, you brought it up. I the way that these young players have been used a little bit, it's going to be difficult for me to to really think that he has gained any interest in signing the Canucks uh, as the season has gone on. But I don't think he's lost any either. I, you know, haven't talked to the guy exactly about it. It's something that he's obviously holding pretty close to the chest. Um, but there there could be some something about you know joining the Abbotsford Canucks with Jack Rathbone there, with Vasily Podkols in there, with Niels Huglander there that maybe excites him a little bit. Like if, if they're doing some really good things out in the AHL and they can kind of tell him like, Hey, this is the plan. We're going to get you out there. You're going to be playing with Vasily pod and, and you know, insert center here. They, they probably need to hopefully sign a couple of NCAA centers as well to add to that group uh, in the AHL or Hey, Sheldon drives is back down here now because Pearson's back. Like you're going to be in a really good spot in the AHL. Maybe there's, there's a plan that they can communicate to him where the AHL is likely where he's going to start, but the NHL path is there for him. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, what happens with McDonough? I don't think he's made a decision either way up to this point either. Okay, so just file it away as another thing that we're going to keep an eye on uh, this season. You mentioned it, Chris. Uh, shorter episode today. We'll be back tomorrow with a longer one. Canucks are in action tonight, recording this on Thursday against the Winnipeg Jets. Hey, I got to tell you, buddy, I think this is going to be a very telling game about this team, and I think Boudreaux's kind of hinted at that as well. So Can we'll I, have a lot I to just, talk about tomorrow. Yeah, I'd like to... Uh, Jarhead in the chat here says, I don't think we lose much sleep if McDonough doesn't sign with us. There's a lot of scouts that view McDonough as a very offensive mind, like a great offensive player who obviously has like a shot that's at the NHL level. There's also a lot of people that even at the start of this season had McDonough higher, had McDonough lower rank than Mikey DiPietro on their prospects ranking. So it's Hmm. more about, you're right. There's certain, like there are certain scouts that don't believe McDonough is going to be able to do anything at the NHL level because of his foot speed. Uh, but you can see when he scores goals, you're like, okay, he shoots the puck like an NHLer. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what development looks like for him as he makes the transition to pro hockey. And if they can do that um, for him, it would be huge because you're going to get a player who could really contribute. Uh, he's a big body guy. Like you like what he does physically this year, at least. That's one thing that I have seen in his game that I've liked uh, more than previous years is he's playing more physical. I think something about having that C on his chest has kind of unlocked that part of his game where he needs to play physical. So I've liked that. Uh, McDonough's game but yeah he's not he's not the number one prospect he's not the he's not even the top three prospect really for the Canucks and that's saying a lot because the Canucks don't have a great prospect system in its own right so you know he slid a little bit because the hope was he was really going to take off this year and be the Hobie Baker candidate that a lot of people hoped he could be so nothing uh nothing to get crazy excited about it's just nice to kind of add one of these guys to your AHL yeah, absolutely. And uh, you, you brought up Mikey DiPietro, so I have to mention uh, Travis Green's Canada squad at the Spengler Cup went 0-3, and they're now eliminated from the Spengler Cup. Couldn't really score goals, but I, the one thing I really want to focus on, poor Mikey DiPietro, man. Guy cannot catch a break. He gets ends up in the ECHL, gets the call to go play for the Team Canada at Spengler Cup, and his uh, his hockey gear gets lost in the mm-hmm. uh, air, air amid air travel, and he isn't able to play. So he yeah. didn't play any games. Mikey DiPietro didn't suit up for any games uh, at the Spangler Cup, which let, just, it's just awful. Let I, me get like, this I in. so bad for him. Yeah, tough for, tough for Mikey. Um, let me get this in because a couple of people have asked about Ricard Grunberg. 
Grunborg. Um, so this is what I heard from some people out in Finland because he's the coach was just let go um, from the Swiss League. Um, and a lot of people are saying, oh, this connection, Swedish coach, highly praised. Um, he was very highly praised two years ago. There's been a steady decline in the interest from him for the NHL as well. I heard that though there was a lot of coaching vacancies this past offseason, he didn't get one NHL interview. So I don't think the interest is as high as it was a few years ago when people were really excited about this guy. Uh, something about his run in the playoffs last year where he was up 3 nothing in the final of the Swiss League. They ultimately lost four games straight. I think some of that's obviously on the players. A lot of that to me is also on the coaching. So the shine on Grunberg, Grunborg has kind of fallen off a little bit. And as it was reported, I think, by Drance and Dollywa, I saw they put this as well, that it, it might be something in like a lower level of maybe assistant coach, something like that. I, I also, I just do think that he is going to go to the Finnish Liga. Um, I think that's an opportunity for him to still be a head coach, still play, you know, be coaching in a high level league but also have that NHL capability of coming down the road if he can kind of rebuild up his value a little bit. But right now as a coach, after what he did in the past playoffs and kind of a few things that have happened over the last year and a half, I don't think there's you know, a chance that this guy is going to come in and be Bruce Boudreaux's uh, replacement. I don't think he's at the level right now unless you know Patrick Halvine really believes that this Swedish coach is his guy. I don't think this guy's coming into the NHL. Uh, after what I've heard from some people out in Finland as well, uh, as uh, as a source in the Swiss League as well, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of hype around him like there was a couple years ago. Maybe the Leafs will hire him. His team uh, blew a three uh, three three win lead. In you the know series, what? He so, might. Uh, we'll see. He might go to the AHL and be an AHL coach. Like, the, but the Canucks have that guy in Jeremy Carlton, right? Who has NHL hopes of you know hopes of being an NHL coach again. He would make sense if the Canucks didn't have Jeremy Carlton. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Maybe Carlton's promoted to the NHL in the same way that Trent Cull was. But, I, I mean, that's those are a lot of dominoes that need to fall to make this actually happen for the Canucks. And I just don't know, unless he comes on as kind of an assistant coach in the uh, at the NHL level, I don't really see him being a guy that's going to be added to this group. And it'll be interesting to see how his personality fits. I've also heard he's a pretty uh, outgoing and uh, confident coach uh, and someone in an organization. So... Uh, it's a little difficult for the Canucks to fit that guy in right now, I think. But, you know, Swedish connection with Alvin. He's coached Elias Pettersson at World Championships. Uh, he's coached Oliver ekman Larson at a handful of World Championships. So there are some connections already with some players. And when you're talking about your most important player, Elias Pettersson, any connection means a lot to me. Okay. Betway wrap-up and then let's get out of here. Sorry, you're taking a sip of your energy drink. I forgot oh, on the spot there. Yep. Pull it up, Aaron. Uh, our Betway bet of the day, Winnipeg Jets and under 5.5. I talked about this a little bit earlier, uh, plus 375 on Betway, Betway, Betway. So $10, I'll return you 4750 uh, And that's if you're going with the under. I'm doing two different roads of uh, attack here on my Betway bets. That's if you think the Jets are going to win, it's going to be an under. Here's pretty much the Canucks to win in the over. I'm going with the Canucks to win over 6.5 total goals in the game and Elias Pettersson to score a goal, getting that at plus 750 So two different roads. You think it's going to be low scoring? You think the Jets are going to win? Rock with the first one. You think the Canucks are going to win? And it's over 6.5 goals and Pedersen to score? Rock with the other road. So a couple different ways to go. And uh, don't bet both of these because both cannot happen uh, in, the, in the game. So do not bet both if you're just following the bets and, and rolling with us. Do not bet both here. Choose one or the other. Uh, because I've heard some people that say they rock with both of them and they've hit on both. It's been big ones. Also days where you won't hit on one. Uh, last night we had a nice little hit on the either or goals. Uh, but tonight, 
Do not bet both. Choose one or the other. You think the Jets are going to win and it's low? Take that. You think the Canucks are going to win and it's going to be high? Take that. A couple different options for you. Okay. Uh, Knucklehead has asked that you wear a striped shirt tomorrow. I have a good outfit planned for tomorrow. Uh, is this our last show before the new year? We're not going to do a show on January 2nd. We'll be back on January 3rd. Uh, but we're going to do a show tomorrow. It's going to be a good one. We might have a special guest joining us uh, as yeah. well. Any final thoughts, Chris? Um, I got my, so I ordered, I've been on the turtleneck run a little bit here wearing turtlenecks to games and stuff. I ordered a a very nice one, uh, a banana Republic turtleneck that arrived this morning. Um, so I'm very excited to wear that out pretty soon. So, uh, I'm excited for that one. I also, um, you know, have a little bit of an accessory to go with it as well. Hopefully coming in the mail here pretty soon, because last time we wore the chains harmonize and that chain was too much. (laughs) But I wasn't going to wear that to the uh, Canucks game because I would have got booed out of the building. Um, but then also, like, you know, shout out to Trevor Beggs from Daily Hive and shout out to Harm, the two young guys in the press box. They were saying, you should have done it. You should have done it. But I can just picture, like, you know, iMac looking at me and like, well, you know, iMac, I feel like would, would appreciate it, actually. But somebody like, uh, who, who wouldn't like it? I don't know. I'm not going to throw any names under the bus here. But some people wouldn't like my big, big, yeah, I don't think that he Jim would. Rutherford? Yeah, I don't know if Bruce, Bruce hasn't given me great answers of late. Anyways, I don't think a big bright chain is going to help anything. Uh, all right, so yeah, that uh, that's all I got. Quickly, I, I just want to apologize. I, I don't know if people have been hearing it on the YouTube is bad, but your audio has been a lot uh, sketchy from my end hearing it. I'm sure mine has probably been sketchy on your end, so I just want to apologize for everyone. I don't know how this is going to turn out uh, on YouTube, but I know that the podcast is not going to sound great, so I apologize. We'll work on that and uh, have a better connection for tomorrow. So um, yeah. And then like you said, we're going to take a couple days off. We'll be back on uh, January 2nd, but we'll be back tomorrow. Take a couple days off. Think about our bad Wi-Fi, and then come back and uh, mm-hmm. be stronger when we come back. Right. Oh my gosh. Back for, those, uh, for those here. on the podcast, Chris just had the blues. I got, clues, a, uh, back up. I got a request in the chat from <laughs> Knucklehead. So there you go. Knucklehead. <laughs> I think that's why Knucklehead wanted you to wear a green striped shirt let me, tomorrow. Let me see if I got um, and uh, Favors looking for something. Yeah. We just got a letter. We just got a le- I don't know the song. <laughs> we just got a letter. Let's see what it could. I don't know what the song is. Anyways. You were very close. You were very close. As somebody who watches uh, Blues Clues regularly, still, of course, um, you were very close. I remember that song very clearly, actually. Okay, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, for my co-host, Chris Faber, and our technical producer, Aaron, Nation Network, uh, my name's David Guadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?